This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Anusha Men with Rick and Dave. We welcome 2021 with an Obama-era vaccine of worthless information. Flashback to my very first time ever with Dave, podcasting together as we socially distanced years before it became a trend. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opi show on the Radio Misfits podcast network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon. Lou uh, Costable is uh, off driving somewhere today. Don't really know where he is, but uh, if he wanders off in his car, that's okay. We know he's going to come back. But filling in for uh, Lou uh, today is our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. He's actually not standing in a field. He's comfortably ensconced in his home office as we're doing this uh, via the phone, as we have been for a while now. But uh, nonetheless, Roger, thanks so much for uh, coming back to the Car Guys Report, and always appreciate your texts that I get when the episodes air, always uh, adding insights and and, uh, information to what we've already said, and that's why you're our man in the field. So welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mark. It's quite a... uh Bridge of size, Robin Trower day today, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robin Trower. Wow, that that's going back a ways. I uh, yeah. I played uh, I played that song and, I, and a handful of Robin Trower songs in my rock and roll radio days as a as a, a classic rock DJ. So, uh, not a lot of people remember Robin Trower, it seems, but it's good to know that uh, you brought him up. See, we always talk about other things other than cars, but today we're just going to kind of have a, a good uh, good old BS session with. Uh, Roger, our man in the field. As usual, at the top of every episode, we also uh, always like to just talk about any updates with our cars or stories that are going on with our particular cars. Um, don't really have anything to report uh, from my end. Roger had the uh, Aston Martin out uh, and put on uh, several hundred miles on a on a day long uh, road trip a while back, and things were good. And the uh, Dodge Challenger continues to uh, impress me, and uh, everything else is pretty much uh, status quo at this point, which I guess is a good thing when it comes to uh, collecting cars. And unfortunately, in your stable, you only have really your your daily driver as, as your only car to talk about. That's correct, right? That is right. I, I'm not fortunate enough to have a toy car anymore, so <laughs> not, a, not, a, not a whole lot to uh, update on my car other than it'll be uh, winter tires season pretty soon. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, that's, that, that's always a thing. I, I've gotten away from the uh, I know we've talked about this on the program before. I've gotten away from the uh, spring and fall uh season uh, tire swap. I haven't done that for many, many years because I either just run all season uh, radials on my cars. I'm not a big summer uh, rubber tire fan just because uh, I don't drive my cars that much in the winter, but on a, on a nice winter's day, I like to, to get it out. And if it's got summer rubber on it, it's not a good idea to do that. So that's why I have either all season uh, tires on my car or actually on two of my cars, both of my Porsches, actually, the 911 and the Cayenne. 
I have uh, all-weather tires, which is that newer category of uh, tire that slots below a winter tire but above an all-season tire, and it still carries the three-peak uh Three, a three-peak mountain snowflake symbol, which means it is good for uh, snow and ice. And so far, I've been very happy with uh, the performance of those tires as well. Uh, I always like to talk about a few cars we've seen on the road, too. Uh, I know, Roger, that you're uh, in your job, you're out and about on the road all the time, so I'm sure you always see just a bevy of cars. I always have to remember to write everything down when I get to where I'm going or get home after I've seen stuff on the road. But recently, a, a couple of cars I think you'll like. Uh, 57 uh, Chevy two-door can't go wrong with a uh, classic 57 <laughs> Chevy. That one was in red. Uh, I saw actually on the same day, I saw two Magno paint uh, Mercedes. And for the uh, listeners that are not familiar with what the Magno paint is on the Mercedes, it kind of looks like a vinyl wrap, but it's actual paint and it's a matte finish. And it's a very cool look. Actually, Roger, I don't know if you know this, when I ordered my Mercedes back in 2012, my E-Class Coupe, I considered getting um, the Magno paint uh, on that car, but I did a little research, and we can talk about this maybe a little bit uh, later in the program because we are going to talk a little bit about detailing because that's one of your passions that the magno paint just seems fussy because it's not clear coated or anything and they say if it gets bird poop on it that you got to like clean it off right away and it just seemed like it was way too fussy so i didn't really want to deal with it and i also thought that you know it looks cool now but like in three years or five years is that is that kind of matte paint finish going to be just a fad and just kind of like you know fade away so i decided not to do it but i always enjoy seeing a couple of uh, magno mercedes in the uh, wild as it were and one was in black so it was just kind of a matte black and one was a dark gray magno finish and it, it they do look cool i mean there's no doubt about that but um, it's the dark always, gray looks phenomenal yeah it does it, it's a cool like i said it's a cool look uh, i just did was just kind of pretty much scared of the of the of the maintenance aspects of it because you can't even wax that finish i don't believe either they say that because i remember looking into it and it said you can't wax it you can't do this you can't do that and like well how do you you clean it then or how do you take care of it so it was a little uh a little disconcerting to me but uh you know they seem to be selling here and there uh, as far as the the Magno paint goes. And then, of course, a black McLaren I saw on the road, too. I don't know if I don't know all my McLaren. I don't know if it was a 570 or 670S or whatever. They're all um, the same. Yeah, pretty much uh, the body style is all the same, um, basically just uh, trimmed out and different uh, engine outputs in them. But they're very cool cars when you see them on the road. So always, uh, always nice to see that. Is there anything of note that you have spotted on the roads recently in your in your travels? Well, like you alluded to earlier, I'm, I'm a delivery driver, so I, I start on the north side and make my way around, and uh, I see everything. Yeah, because you're on the road. What You're literally on the road like eight hours a day, right, driving through uh, the Chicago area? Eight, eight, yeah, eight hours is a light day, but um, I see a lot of 992s, Aston Martins. I see Bentleys, the new Bentley Continentals. I, you know, I see a lot of things, but the one thing that I seen recently really caught my eye was a, uh, it was a Mark II Supra which is the early 80s Supra. Sure. They had the, they had the pop-up headlights, and uh, this car looked like it just rolled off the assembly line. Wow. I, gave the guy a thumb, I gave the guy a thumbs up. It was black with, a, you know, that 80s uh, velour. Uh, sure, oh, yeah, the, the, the classic 80s, uh, 80s velour. And, and, you know, that car is uh, those early Supras, um, like that one especially. Uh, obviously, the the later, the like the 1990s Supras, the ones that were all smoothed out Mark and stuff. Four. Yeah, those have been, you know, hot 
collector cars for a while, but these earlier ones are actually starting to pick up some some traction as far as collector value goes. And to see one, like you said, in pristine condition, that's always a joy. Yeah, those were the Supras that they stopped using the name uh, Celica Supra because the first gen, it said Celica Supra, and then the second gen with the uh, pop-up headlights, they just used the name Supra on it. And did that, that, I know that, I don't think that was turbocharged, but it was still just a straight six in there? Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a, you know what, I, I'm not 100% sure on the engine displacement, but I know it's a uh, naturally aspirated engine. I remember the commercials uh, with, I think, Dan Gurney did a commercial for it. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's a great-looking car because it's really small mm-hmm. compared to, like, newer cars, obviously. And that's, that's the thing with a lot of these, you know, 80s cars that we see out and about is the the sheer size difference between cars from then to now. Oh, yeah, it always amazes me, even going back a little further, when you're uh, lucky enough to see a car from the early 70s, like even a Ford Maverick or a Chevy Vega or a Ford Pinto, which I think a lot of those three cars have actually aged, I think, very well as far as the the, the design aesthetic. And when you see those cars now, rarely will you see them. But when you do see them now, I'm, I'm always struck about as to how small they are compared to what else is on the road. Even, you know, like uh, even a car like a Toyota Corolla, which gets bigger with every successive generation. And that was always the entry level Toyota, which was pretty small back in the day. But now a Corolla is really not that small of a car. And you, you compare it against something like a Chevy Vega or a Pinto or even a Maverick, they look tiny on, on today's roads. And it's, it, it is an interesting phenomenon. And I think that some people enjoy the, the smaller dimensions exterior wise that's the only thing i've i've really if i had a complaint and it's really not a complaint but i knew this going into it with my challenger is the fact that it's just a big honking car for a you know for what it is it's just a beast and the thing is just huge and if it was just a little smaller i think it would be a little better but you know that's just the way it it uh it happened you're, you're referring to your challenger if, you, if it was a little smaller you'd like it yeah better. yeah i mean like i said it's not a complaint i i don't mind the heft but yeah if it was a tiny little bit smaller maybe 20 percent uh, I, I think going to say that yeah i think it would it would would make it a little better but again i mean it's not a complaint i love the car you know in every other way and and that's not a you know that's not a, a a deal breaker for me, and I said I as I said too, I knew I uh, about it going into it because that was one of the things that I kept seeing in in all the reviews, saying like you know the only negatives really are this car is the handlings are isn't as good as a, a Camaro or or a Mustang, and it's just a big car. But also too before Roger, before we continue on here, I just wanted to have you uh, give the thirty uh, second readers digest version of your uh, background or experience in cars because. Uh, Obviously, we have new listeners, and they're not always familiar with uh, you being our man in, a field, man in the field. So you grew up in Detroit, and I know I bring this up every time you've been on the program because I find it so fascinating. You've, you actually had relatives that worked in uh, the, the factories, the assembly lines. So tell us just briefly about that. Well, my late dad retired from uh, General Motors in 2005, 2006. Well, no, it was actually a little before that. And uh, probably in the mid-90s, but he passed away in 2006, I should say. And he started working there in 1966. Wow. Came, came up from a no-traffic-like town in West Virginia, a coal mining town, and got a job in the big city and bought a brand-new 66 Corvette, triple black. <laughs> That's awesome. And what it, was he working in Hamtramck then? or 
Yeah, he was working. It was uh, it was actually General Motors gear and axle, and then later it became uh, American uh, axle manufacturing. So, is he doing transmissions or differentials or? I'm not even sure what he did for. Um, he worked there for like four years, and then he moved to the actual transmission plant, which was in Warren, Michigan. Oh, okay. And then you had a your grandmother. Something was on the line as well. Yeah, she worked at uh, Dodge, the famous Dodge Maine, and that is uh, in, on the border of Hamtramck and Detroit, and that was in the late 60s that she worked there, and the famous story about she would do some type of installation of something in the trunk, and she knew how to get out of the trunk by, you know, uh, if she got locked in there, she knew how to, you know, get out of the uh, out of there, so it was pretty funny, but yeah, if you grew up in Detroit, I'm, fi- I'm 50 years old, and your relatives, uh, just about every everybody in one way, shape, or form has worked for something related to the big three. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's funny, too, because your, your grandmother obviously knew the trick to get out of the trunk long before they had yep. the glow-in-the-dark safety handles like they do now. So yeah. every 70s detective show you see when somebody gets locked in the trunk, they couldn't do that anymore because it's too easy to get out. But I always that's find right. that, that fascinating. But that's a great uh, great backstory uh, with you and, and, your, and your family there as far as uh, having history of working uh, in Detroit for the uh, for the big three car companies. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. We're available online at radiomisfits.com. We're also on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com as well to find out where we are. You can search Opi, O-P-P-I-H, on Google. We're also available, Roger, I don't know if you knew this, but we are now available on Amazon Podcasts, Amazon Audible. So that uh, helps uh, expand our Radio Misfits podcasting universe. We're very happy about that. If you'd like to send us an email, uh, feel free to do it. Our uh, email address, of course, uh, open 24-7 with your comments, your complaints, your kudos, your suggestions. Whatever you want to send us, please do. Our email is carguysreport at hotmail.com. Mark Vernon, along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, today on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And Roger, this was just going to kind of be an open-ended uh, BS session, which is uh, something we like to do periodically here on the Car Guys Report. But one of the BS topics that we're going to talk about, it's not detailing is not BS. Detailing is very important. But I know you're kind of a, a closet enthusiast, uh, home detailer kind of guy, or maybe a step above the home detailer guy. My first uh, memory of you was over five years ago at a car show when you were walking around with one of those. Uh, big uh, vacuum hand pumps filled with uh, wheel cleaner and you were cleaning everybody's rims <laughs> going around the, the show field when when you were Captain Slow when you had your Fiat uh, Abarth. So that was my uh, earliest uh, recollection of you. And I know that you're kind of uh, plugged into some forums and things like that. So uh, tell us what's going on in the detailing world. I know there was something that you wanted to share with us, so have at it. What? Uh, okay, no problem. Well, yeah, detailing is definitely a passion of mine. Uh, you know, you got to keep your ride clean. You know, take pride in your ride. But um, the, the the new thing going on right now is um, it's a product uh, that it's called graphene, and it's a it's a chemical, and it's supposed to be the the hardest uh, surface um, product that you can you can get. Like they use it in Kevlar, and so now it's trickled on into the auto detailing um, uh, regime. Okay. And I would say that. Yeah, and the thing with graphene is it's a um, it's a light version of the actual graphene that they use like in Kevlar. So it's like a graphene oxide. And I'm not I watch um, 
this uh, guy, Pan, the organizer, he interviewed somebody from uh, 303 um, uh, Car Care Products. His name is uh, David Gutierrez, and it's easy to find that on uh, YouTube. And this new product is, is what ceramic coating was five years ago. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. How does it compare to uh, ceramics? Because that that's pretty much has hit the mainstream in the last few years. Um, I got hooked into ceramics about a year ago. And so far, I've been pretty pleased with the results because I don't wax my cars anymore. You know, I'll, I'll prep them, I'll wash them, I'll clay them, and then I'll I'll just uh, put on a coating of ceramic. So what makes this graphene better or longer lasting? Or, you know, what are the qualities that make it better than a ceramic coating? Well, the jury is still out because it's basically been on the market for about a year. Okay. I, I'm not sure who I'm not sure who the first company was to get it to market. Um, it has very similar qualities to a uh, ceramic coating, a lot of self-cleaning capabilities. Yeah, I, I know that's the thing about the, the, the ceramic coating is that it has very, very um, hydrophobic properties, which means that, um, you know, it has like extreme, supposedly extreme water beating where it almost like curls up under itself and, and just stuff just rolls off and it's supposed to keep your car cleaner because stuff just doesn't stick to it. So is this taking it, it one step further? Absolutely. It, uh, on my daily driver, I, uh, I ceramic coated my car in the middle of uh, middle of the summer, and of course I put many toppers on there because I just can't help myself. <laughs> um, but I do have a coat of the uh, the new 303 graphene mm-hmm. on my car. I was uh, very fortunate to uh, be one of the beta testers of the product, and uh, I put it on a couple of friends' vehicles, and they really raved about it. So it's. Um, you know, to the general public uh, that I've dealt with so far, they're very happy with the product, and I'm I am too. But I just put it on my car last week, so okay. um, it's going to be the it's going to be the LSP that's going to get me through the winter. <laughs> is it um, is it similar to application of uh, ceramic coating? Because I know that's one thing that attracted me to the ceramics is the fact that you just basically spritz it on, you kind of move it around a little bit with a microfiber, then you just buff it right off with another microfiber. And then, of course, you do a second application just to make sure you, you covered everything. Does the graphene work in the same way, pretty much? It, it is exactly the same way. Uh, the products that, that you and I are talking about right now are the, your over-the-counter consumer-grade spray yeah. products, that, uh, which is awesome because the technology is so advanced on these spray ceramics and now spray graphene that even though the product that you've been using in your your car collection is a watered-down version, Mm -hmm. you've already raised about how happy you are with the durability. And I can tell you that on a daily driver, I'm also very happy with it. And because it's it's rather inexpensive, I believe the 303 graphene is going to be about twenty dollars a, bo- a bottle. Yeah, that seems to be pretty much the average cost right now of ceramics. Maybe twenty dollars yeah. a bottle, depending and, on where you get it. it. Yeah, and if it's that inexpensive, I mean, I'm I'm an extreme individual. I always like my car to be clean all the time. Because of the ex, uh, the uh, the expense or lack of expense and the ease of application, in my opinion, I think every four to six weeks, if you want your car to look good all the time. 
you put a product like this on every four to six weeks, it's a winner. I think it's even doing it too much. I mean, I'm one that, you know, I, I like keeping my cars clean, but I don't I don't go obsessing over it because I'm not a slob, so I don't have, you know, junk in my car anyway. And, you know, I keep, I'm usually the only one that's in it. So I it, it's kept clean, but, you know, I'm not continually dusting my dashboards and putting armor all and stuff in the dash. And then, you know, every, every you know, week I'm not wiping it down and because I just, you know, I put a good coating of, of ceramic on it and I, I, I'll speed shine it or waterless car wash it, you know, when, when it is showing enough of like bugs and stuff like that on there. But the thing that's really impressed me so far about the ceramic coatings is the not only the, the shine that it gives the paint, but the way it makes chrome and even just plastic look. It just really brings the, those two items to life. And I've been very impressed by that. And I've shown like my 58 Impala is is ceramic coated and that's got plenty of chrome on it. And it just pops, especially in the sunlight. And, it looks and, awesome. And your 58 Impala has that, that orangey bronze color. Yeah, so, Sierra uh, Gold. It, it, yeah, a ceramic finish on, on a very unique color like that, it, it it's an attention getter. Yeah, that's cool. Now, is 303 the only company right now that's marketing graphene or is it being uh, marketed by other companies as well? There's a there's a n- number of other uh, companies. I bring up 303 because they're a uh, local based company. Yeah, and you're is, one of their beta testers, so that's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't mind talking about uh, specific yeah. brand names. And the nice thing also about 303, if, if this is important to some people out there, is they do everything in house. They do not outsource to a. It's called a blender. There's these chemicals. Oh sure, where it, yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah, like that. They do everything. It's kind of like the wine industry because I, I, I'm a, a wine drinker and I, I'm not like a heavy duty, you know, I, I, I don't sit there and, and sip a glass of, of Cabernet and go, oh, yeah, I can f- taste those leathery tobacco notes on the back of my tongue. And then, oh, there's the flavor <laughs> of dates coming through. But I know that there are w- companies that sell, you know, the like the bulk wine and basically uh, a lot of the the wineries will will offload their like lesser grade grapes to one of these giant companies that blends everything together in a vat and then just pops you know pops it into a bottle and sells it for five bucks per one and a half liters and that's kind of like the same thing you're saying that there's people out there companies out there that will take the raw materials. And just kind of mix them, you know, that are currently available wherever on the market and mix it themselves and, and call it their own product. But it really isn't because they haven't done the actual science of developing the, the product to their specifications and things like that. So I do think that that's one thing that Griot's Garage always touts is they do all supposedly they do all their stuff in house as well. So um, I do Absolutely. think that, yeah, that means a lot to a lot of people. And I think it, it's a good thing because that way they have ultimate control over it and they're the ones that developed it. Uh, does the graphene look like a ceramic coating? Is it just still white or whatever color it is? It's not like a different color consistency uh, when you apply well, it. It's just the same same deal. So the graphene coating that I was beta testing, it, it, it actually looked like good pencil lead inside. It does. The yeah, that's like, interesting. So... Yeah, and but real quick, you're, what you're talking about the blenders. These big manu- these manufacturers, they go to a blender with with what they want the product to do, and the yeah. blender will give them a couple samples to try out. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you be, for sure that whatever that um, spray ceramic that you've been using, that company they definitely went to a blender. Like if you and I wanted to get into the 
a detailing business and we wanted to have an awesome detail spray, we could go to them and say, we want this, this, and this. We yeah. want it to be this color. We want it to smell like this. And they'll make it for us. Yeah. That's, that's but the nice thing about Griot's and 303, all in-house, all American. Yeah. But there's, but that's not to say that buying a product from a blender is a bad thing, though. I mean, because it's still got not. legitimate, you know, chemistry behind the the product and the way it, it should perform. But I, I do, I totally understand where you're coming from, and I would prefer to buy it, buy a product from somebody um, that's doing it in house. Now, my only conundrum here, Roger, is the fact that when I think of graphene, I think of something that's slippery. Because it, it's related to graphite somehow, I think. Because you were saying it kind of looks like pencil lead, but isn't that soft? But I would think that's soft and not hard. So that that's the 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 conflict I'm having when you're describing this product. So how does the graphene play into the the hardness and the durability of everything? If you know, well, I, I don't. I'm not a chemist. <laughs> I did listen to this. Uh, I did listen to this uh, YouTube channel with uh, Panda Organizer interviewing uh, David Gutierrez from. 303 and uh, this guy they were both they both have uh, chemistry degrees so I was just like uh, they're just probably like chatting back and forth like yeah. we are now but talking about yeah. uh, formulas I mean, and it, things it, like that yeah, it was it, it was a good it was a good listen and I did take a lot of uh, I did get a lot of good information out of it um, I'm gonna say that the it's the other products um, that go into making mm-hmm. what's in that bottle from 303 it's it's got to have other agents that will after a, a certain amount of time it will evaporate and harden up onto mm-hmm. the paint and, and make it durable now but when you're you're I, putting it on does it was it staining your microfibers at all or being a darker color like that or on the bait on the beta testing product it it, it did i used this uh, red uh foam applicator that had this big uh handle on it okay. and it did it is in the applicator, and when you put it on the car on this particular product, it you could see the black. Okay. But as you as you as you wipe it in, and then you let it you let it haze yeah. haze white a little bit, and then buff it off. And when I buffed it off, it didn't really um, it didn't really discolor the uh, removal microfiber okay. towel. But but it's when you have a, a separate uh, applicator, applicators are so inexpensive; it doesn't matter. Yeah. That, that up. That's what I would always do in, in the traditional way when I used to uh, paint seal and then carnauba wax my cars. Obviously, I'd have different applicators for both those waxes. But I wouldn't really mind the fact that it, it actually is going on darker. We're talking about the graphene here because you can actually see it then because that's always a problem when you're putting some kind of product on a car, especially a lighter car like the silver, like my Aston Martin and my Fiat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both silver, and it's hard to see, you know, where the product is and, and things like that. And if it's a darker color where you can actually see it and you know that you've got coverage in that area or you know you're removing it 100%, uh, buffing it off, I think that's actually kind of a good thing. So um, is it commercially available then from 303 yet since you were a beta tester, or is it something that's still uh, going to come down the line? It was uh, released on their 303's website okay. uh, in, October, uh, in, in October, and then uh, I believe in sometime in November it's going to be released on uh, Auto Geek, which I'm a very uh, 
popular uh, contributor to the forum. Okay. And obviously we're, we're recording this program well in advance of its actual air date. So by the time this session uh, of the Car Guys Report airs on the Radio Misfits podcast network, uh, what you're saying or telling us now has will probably have happened already. So you should be able to find it. And is it spelled like I would think it's spelled G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E or how is graphene spelled? That's, you nailed it. Wow. That's it. I've always been a good speller. <laughs> so, Very good. So, but you could actually, if you want, you could either just go to 303's website or you could go to Google and just type in graphene and, and see what comes up that way. And Yeah, I would just go in and put 303 uh, graphene spray season, yeah. and then you're going to... You're going to see where you can get it. Uh, I know I'm a beta tester, and they're uh, they're a local company. And I know if you go to their website, they have specials on shipping. I believe if you spend over fifty dollars, you get free shipping. And they're a great company. I did tour their facility, and they they get they do they even do their own packaging there. It's wow. a great company. That's cool. Any other uh, detailing uh, tidbits uh, for us today? Uh, we've talked about graphene. Do you have any other uh, favorite products as of late, or or, uh, anything to add to what we've been talking about? No, I just encourage people to go out and try the graphene. Yeah. Put put that put that carnauba, that hand rub carnauba. Put that put that stuff down. That's what I did. I actually threw whatever I had left. I actually just threw it out because I'm like I'm done with this. And and like you said, that that's the thing. I know that you use power buffer, so it makes it easier when you were doing the waxing. I never did it. I always did it by hand. And you always talk about the Popeye arms and things like that. And yeah, that's the thing. Right. I, yeah, that's the thing I hated about Carnuba is it, it would give you a great shine, but just the application and the removal. Not the application wasn't so bad, but the removal was just a pain in the ass. So, well, the removal you would also get a lot of you would get a lot of dust. Yeah, and then realistically. I know there's people out there that don't like the change, but I got to tell you, the Carnuba in the real world, you're looking at about a month for Yeah, yeah, the durability, durability just isn't there, yeah. But I, these new products, I mean, like what you're talking about, I don't, even, I don't remember the brand that you're using. I think I it's Next Gen was the brand yeah, I was using. Yeah, There's so many products out there, but the thing is, when you find something that you like, stick with it and use it. But on the flip side... If you're, if our listeners are that big on Carnuba, just give these products that Mark and I are talking about a chance, and you'll be amazed. Yeah, because it's not, it's not like it's really not. I, although they have been advertising, uh, and you've probably seen it on TV on some of the uh, smaller uh, networks or stations. There's some kind of ceramic coating that they're pushing for like twenty dollars a bottle, and if you order now, you get three free microfibers, and and yeah. and I can't remember the brand of it. And some of the stuff, it's like it, it's not an infomercial, but it's almost like the uh, you know the Ron Popeil, uh, you know magic uh uh pocket fisherman type things all the great things this product can do and they show they show like a a totally oxidized hood and they show you wiping this stuff on and the oxidation disappears and to me that that, ceramic coating will not do that though yeah you you got to take off that crap first and then put the ceramic coating on you know then they're showing like you know torching it and just like the paint's fine (laughs) so think about this the one you're talking about is probably f11 top coat I don't know what there's it is, another, but there's there's a there's one I've seen recently, real quick. 
They have a Ferrari, California, with a hot girl next to it. And the guy has two bottles of the stuff. And he puts <laughs> a bottle on one side of the hood and the other and then lets it slide yeah, down. Yeah. Who, in the, who in the hell would let something slide down the paint of any car, let alone a Ferrari? Well, if you got that hot chick next to you, who cares? <laughs> She's I, well, probably saying, well, let at, me see the bottle slide down the hood, and then I'll get in the car and drive off with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I will. I will say I'm not. Are you? And you have. I believe in the past you talked about your your marketing background. You you do have to be able to market these products to get them out to people. Oh, of course. But I. But when I see something like that as a as kind of a detailing snob. That's oh yeah, you're going to cringe. Yeah. That's not, that's, yeah, that's not going to sell me. But I I encourage our listeners to just do a little research. Go with a a reputable company. Uh, a company like Griot's Garage that we've been talking about, they recently did come out with a, a, a spray ceramic. Yeah, they, they call it a green, green. They call it a ceramic wax, which is interesting because I thought it actually had a little bit of wax component in it, which surprised me. But it's well priced. It's like twenty bucks for a twenty. I think it's. I want to say a twenty-two ounce bottle for twenty bucks, which is you know because the Griot stuff you, is 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 high end stuff. So th- I thought their pricing was great. I haven't tried it yet, so but I'm I'm curious. They are a high end brand, but they're. Um, I wish they would kind of do something about that because their products are not that god awful expensive. And you know the thing you get with Griot's is their bottles are ergonomically designed. They're very relaxing to use, and, and it's the whole process that you want to have an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. But this, this, this green ceramic 303, or uh, uh, Griot's Garage yeah. product, it's also very good, very user-friendly, and you, you're going to need two towels. You're going to need one to, to wipe it in, and then you want to have one for a final buff. But yeah. That's, but that's okay. But it is such a great product and very fun to use. Good. And one real quick uh, last uh, touch point here on detailing. Um, do you ceramic coat your rims at all? Uh, no. I, I know this sounds like a 303 commercial, but what I use for my wheels is uh, they have a, a product called a 303 Touchless Sealant. Oh, really? Clean yeah, so what you do is when you clean your wheels really well yeah. and you rinse off all the soap, the wheels are wet. You take this product, you spray it on a wet wheel, and you let it sit for about 20, 30 seconds and then hose it off, and the water beating is incredible. So then you've got some protection. Now, on a part of your car, like a wheel that gets hammered from brake dust, it's right on the ground, yeah. heat, I would put a product like that on once a month to keep the, the car washing easy. But the thing is you don't use a lot of product cause you're only doing four wheels. Mm-hmm. So it's real simple. And it works. Yeah. I mean, you can vouch it, for you know, it. it. Absolutely. You can see it. I, I think people who are not aware of these, um, uh, you can also use it on your car. It's for your car, but most wheels that are painted are clear coated like mm, your car's yeah. vintage. So you can use it on your car. It's about twenty dollars, uh, uh, maybe a little bit less. And like I said, you you wash the area, and then while it's wet, yeah, then you, you spritz spray it, it down. On. Yeah, yeah, you, and you spritz it on. You don't you don't have to flood it. Just make sure you got good coverage. Yeah. Like if, like if you go to do your hood, lightly spritz it. And then the act of rinsing it off will actually push the product around for you. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. It, it's 
it's and it, even a product like that is going to last longer than the hand rubbed carnauba. You're you would get about two months of durability out of a product like that. Mm-hmm. But on your wheels, uh, I encourage people to use it on your wheels because it's so simple. Yeah, because I I don't the the big thing I was thinking about this actually on the way over uh, to the Car Guys Report warehouse today um, was you know I don't mind cleaning rims. Um, because you usually just use a good, you know, tire wheel cleaner and you just wet the rim, you, you put the, the, the product on, you, you agitate it or, or, or rub it wherever you need to get all the, the grime off. Then you rinse it off and mm-hmm. it looks great. But then the only thing that I always have to plan on just cause I, this is me is I always want to, after I clean rims, I want to drive the car around so I'm not going to get rust on my rotors. And, you know, make sure everything is dried off behind the wheel, so to speak, because if you just do your rims and rinse them all off, sometimes you're going to have streaks on your rotors or your rotors will rust if you don't drive your car right away. And with me, you know, I don't drive all my cars all the time. So I want to make sure that when they're in storage, the rotors are clean and and, and shiny and things like that. So that's just I, I me. But I, Yeah, I have a product for you for that real quick. It's a P&S Brake Buster, and it has a... Um, Something in the cleaner, it cuts down on the oxidation on the bare um, metal uh, rotors. Okay, that's not PS. There's there's a product PS. Is it PS twenty one? No, that's that's uh, that's been around for a long time. Yeah, this is P and S. Okay, I remember you talking about this probably about a year ago when we when you were yeah. on the program, and and I think Great I actually product. wrote it on. Yeah, I wanted to to make sure that the. Uh, uh, that I knew what what you were saying is P and S, not PS. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's it. <clears throat> yes, that's it. Cool. Well, good to know, Roger. Uh, if you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the program Minutia Men. It's an Opie show. Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern are consumers of worthless information, and listen as they share their newest worthless information on the podcast Minutia Men. It's on Spotify. Op- Pieshows.com or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. And what do you know? That's where you'll find our podcast, The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. Uh, Luke Hostable off driving somewhere, so we're just going to let him wander away for uh, an episode or so. And filling in for uh, Lou, we've got Roger Rexroad, our man in the field. We're having a nice uh, BS session with Roger. Just finished talking about uh, detailing. And uh, Roger, this is... Um, the point in the program where we get to talk about your uh, recent experience with the tale of the dragon. It's uh, something that uh, you have been indulging in now for a number of years. Uh, give us uh, a brief uh, background on what the tale of the dragon is and your uh, experiences uh, recently uh, driving that uh, that well-known road in the uh, believe in the, the Smoky Mountains of. Uh, of uh is it tennessee or or uh south carolina it is literally right on the border of tennessee north carolina North Carolina, yeah yeah, it it starts on north carolina side and you drive oh i don't know a couple hundred feet and you cross right into tennessee okay and and just tell us a little bit more what the road is so just people that i know we have you know we're grateful for all our listeners not only in the u.s but our our listeners in canada luxembourg and uh australia too and i would think that since our australian listeners are obviously um you know total car guys and car gals at heart if they ever visit our country i think one of the things they'd want to do is is uh drive the tail of the dragon so uh how many turns does it have within like 10 miles 
it's 318 turns in 11 miles and wow. everything is and everything is cambered wow so you're getting a workout right Oh yeah, if you got a manual transmission car, you're you're definitely going to get a workout for sure. But well, you know what though, you with the stick shift cars that I've driven, you uh, and my cars, I only basically use second and yeah. third gear. Yeah, so. but you're 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 getting a workout with your arms though too. With the, oh yeah, with you're getting those real Popeye arms. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and how long have you been doing Tail of the Dragon now? I have gone every year since 2003. Wow, that's pretty amazing. 17 years and counting. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I think you said you had a you were going to share with us a, a, a story of, of this year's uh, Tale of the Dragon. You said that you got into a, uh, I don't know if it was like a, you were ca- tailing somebody or they were tailing you and you were having fun. or I, I don't even know the whole story yet, so enlighten us. Okay, so, so my buddy Josh, who lives down there, um, we went out there on a Thursday, and the last couple years, um, there have been a bigger police presence mm-hmm. out there. So we were going to take it easy, and he said, well, let's just see how it goes. And I'm like, okay, so I'm following him. He has a a, a, a Veloster N, and he knows the road. So he's very competent driver. I, I, there's no way I could ever keep up with them and you're driving your elantra i always screw this up you're you have an elantra gt coupe or something like that i can never get it i know it's a four-door it's, but i thought it, they call it the yeah, coupe it's, it's, it's an elantra it's an elantra sport it's a sport sedan. that's it's it the, it's 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 the uh I, I i call it a korean civic si okay is what it basically is and do you have a manual in that or no it has a dual clutch oh you hey you have the dsg okay yeah, I got my car uh, CPO, and that's what they had on the on the on the lot. So I had to get that, but it's it's winning me over. I I, I do uh, manually shift it while I'm out on the drag, and I use the uh, the floor shifter part. I don't use the paddle shifter. Oh, okay, good. You're you're turning because you're turning the you're turning the steering wheel so much. It's just easier to just bump it on the, yeah. on the console than to do it on the steering. But so him and I, we were we we had a blistering run out there, and then we came up on a. Ford EcoSport, which is that little SUV that I believe is based on a Fiesta, and this guy was driving the tires off of it literally every turn. The tires were screaming. Is that the and thing with the three-cylinder engine in it? Um, no, it's got a one-point. I think it might. I think there might be an optional one-liter EcoBoost, but I'm not sure what. He well, they have sure a one-and-a-half liter three-cylinder, though. I'm pretty sure they do. Yes, it, it could it could very well have that. I'm not like super into that particular yeah. vehicle when it comes to SUVs, but he was driving it pretty good. But my buddy started slowing down. I'm like, Josh, what are you doing? And then when he slowed down, when he slowed down the second time, I knew that he was backing off because this guy was cooking the brakes. And he, oh wow, yeah, he eventually pulled over because they have actually added numerous pullovers for motorcycles and cars for the more spirited drivers. Yeah, so he pulled over. And then we just stood on it. And by the time we got to the end of the dragon, I could feel my my brake my brakes were getting a little a little soft. soft so we, had wow. a, we had a great run. I mean, to go from one end to the other and be able to you know keep your foot down on it, yeah. have a, 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 a very spirited. But safe run. Sure, because I great. just so people know, I mean, it's not like you're going 80 miles an hour on this thing. You're we're going what maybe 35, 40 through all this stuff, but uh, I, I, there there's some sections where the road, and I'm using the biggest air quotes right now for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, it it straightens out. Um, 
I probably hit 65, 70. Wow. Times. Really? But that's not, but that's very briefly. Yeah. 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 Because there, there are signs that it, it, it's a sign and it's a U-turn and it says 10 miles an hour. Yeah. So you're not going, you, you can't go 70 into that, but you can sure as hell stand on that gas pedal coming out of it. Though. Sure. And it just proves too that, you know, as much as being on a, on an, a road course or a racetrack is fun and, and being able to do wide open throttle, you know, at your leisure. But it shows that on a road like that, you don't always have to, you know, be going at uh, at uh, top speed or high speeds. You can have a total blast and a total, uh, you know, a, a pretty much like a nine tenths or ten tenths experience, but at much slower speeds because of the curves and because of everything that that you're, you know, you're in the moment there. And for 11 miles, that that's like the perfect length of time, I think, because if it was too short, it would be like it's already over. But if it was longer than 11 miles, it'd be like, oh, I got 200 more turns to go, you know? <laughs> so Right. Yeah, so like the Dragon, like you said, is uh, it's 318 turns in 11 miles, but there's another road that um, runs into that. It's called the Cherry Hill Skyway, and that's 57 miles long. Big sweeping turns, and nobody nobody's ever kept track of the amount of turns. But that road is like 57 miles long. Wow. It goes up to one. It goes up to one mile high elevation and down. And if you have somebody in the car with you, as long as they trust you, they're going to have a great experience because they get the the sensation of going around the turns, and then they can anytime they can look out their window. And when you're on the Cherry Hill Skyway, you look out that window, the scenery is breathtaking. Oh, I was going to say, too, yeah, that's part of the allure of the uh, dragon, especially in the fall when you go, is uh, just being in the in the Smoky Mountains and being in that scenery. It's just absolutely beautiful country there. So that actually helps, too. But, you know, one thing that you brought up, you're talking about the guy's brakes and your brakes and, and everything. I think that if you go, you got to make sure that your tires, your tire pressure and your brakes, brake fluid, and all that is, is up to snuff because you certainly don't want to get into a situation, uh, you know, in the middle of that thing where you go to brake and, you know, your pedal goes to the floor or something like that. Because you said you've actually seen, I don't think you've actually seen accidents, but you've seen the aftermath of, of incidents on there? Uh, if you go onto the killboy.com site, they take pictures of all the cars that go out there. And okay. there, there's people who, there's people who wrecked and unfortunately there's people that die out wow. there on motorcycles. Yeah. They, they say they average about two a year, but it's not so much because of collisions. The, the motorcycle is usually at heart attacks because it's quite a rush to go out there, but it's easy to, it's easy to get into an accident out there, but you nailed it, Mark. And you said the brakes and the tires. I encourage anybody who goes, wants to go out there for the first time, I'm not trying to sound like a fuddy duddy, but or, or uh, rain rain on anybody's parade. But it is imperative that your tires and brakes are good. Yeah. Now they can be fifty percent. I'm not saying that you're gonna burn up your brakes when you go out there, where you're you're gonna be looking for a, a repair shop on the way back. But and your air pressure is important too, because if you're gonna if you think you're gonna drive aggressively. You're going to put so much heat into those tires sure. that your PSI, your PSI is going to go up. So you're going to want to make sure that the tires are just about where they're supposed to be, and then you're good. And it's good to it's good to check that air pressure. You know, it, everything's safe. You know, I'm not saying that somebody needs to go out there and drive like Walter Roll, but you know, it just. Uh, you know, you can you can drive it at, at, at five tenths and still enjoy yourself. Sure. But because but because I've been going for a long time, I'm not I'm certainly far from an expert driver. 
because I'm I'm I am very enthusiastic on the dragon, but I do not like momentum. So you get me on the skyway, I want to drive in the back. On the dragon, I, I, when that little eco sport pulled over, I stayed on Josh's bumper pretty well out there. So <laughs> you can and you can only use so much power. So don't our listeners out there, if you ever want to have this experience and go to the tail of the dragon, it's not about, don't think that you have to have a, um, you know, a 400, 500 oh, yeah, exactly. no, that, Mustang. That's what you, I was. You can't use it. You that, can't use it. You can't use all the power. That's what I was saying earlier that you don't, you can have a, a total incredible experience not going that fast and yeah, like you said, you could. I think it would actually even be more fun in a car like yours that has lower horsepower and is more. Uh, this is a term that a friend of mine and I have used for years: chuckable. Um, you know, a yeah. car that is 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 lighter. Like I think. Well, you did it on your a in your Abarth, right? And and that was probably a yeah. great car for that. Um, it was, but I, I've had people that rode be, that drove behind me, and because I drive the dragon a little bit more on the aggressive side, when I would plow and do a turn and get on the clampers they said the back of the car looked like it was going to come off the ground really it's, wow yeah because that because that car is nose heavy it's not yeah. very heavy but it's nose heavy yeah. and it is a very it's a tallish car you have one and it is a tall car for such a little car it is a lot of fun but my elantra is much more capable than my Abarth. Huh. no no question and and the, and obviously your buddy's veloster did well too Oh, yeah, I drove that car last year when I went down there when he first got it, and we drove to Helen, Georgia, and we took back roads there, and it was phenomenal. Wow, that's a, that is a great car, and Hyundai is, uh, they have the Albert Bierman uh, over there now, and, and he's waved his um, wand on that car. I know it's more with the, well, he's with, he's with Kia, but I think because they're all under the same umbrella, sure. he's probably giving them a little advice on how to do that car, but it is a, it is a phenomenal car. Yeah, I know it's been getting good reviews, and I think uh, for 2021, they've uh, tweaked a couple of things here and there. I can't remember the, the, the upgrades they've done to it, but they're, well, it the seems like they're serious done- about it. Yeah, the one thing they've done real quick, Mark, is uh, they have um, they only have one level of performance now because they used to have a the entry level was about 250 horsepower with smaller wheels and less um, stuff you can do on the uh, on the on the touchscreen as far as the exhaust, the adjustable exhaust. Now everything is performance pack, and they they're also adding a, a a wet dual clutch transmission to it. So now they're going to open the car up to even more buyers, and it and, and it looks good. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, they're they're um, it, it's the. Do you think they're going to expand? Because it's the N the N line is like their performance line right now with Hyundai. So do you think they're going to expand that? to other models eventually in the in the range or since you're kind of a well, Hyundai the guy these days it, well I'm not really a Hyundai guy I just happen <laughs> to drive one but um, but the uh, the end line is basically kind of like Mercedes how they have uh, they have like the lighter versions of the AMG yeah, Audi yeah. has uh, they have the uh, line R and RS uh, yeah, B, uh, BMW has uh, uh, M Sport. Yeah. So that's 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 what your N line is. But your, if it has that letter N by itself, that's your serious car. And they they have a an Elantra N coming out on the new on the new car, which looks great. And then they're also going to be doing an N uh, Tucson. 
Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I was wondering if they were going to do a, a, a crossover uh, performance. And, That'd and be the cool. New Tucson is all the new Tucson looks phenomenal. Anybody out there in our listening audience, Google the 2021 Nissan. Nice, I've uh, seen it. It looks Hyundai, amazing. Hyundai Tucson. It, it, it is absolutely stunning. The, the Hyundai. I said it uh, not because I drive one, but they are not. Hyundai and Kia, they're not the butt of a joke anymore. No. I mean, even my dad had a, he bought a brand new uh, 2005 Tucson, um, which he had until he passed away. And, um, and that's, you know, that's 15 years ago that this car was new. And even then it was, it was still pretty basic and, and everything, but it, it, it was well-made and it served him well. And then my girlfriend took over that car when he passed away and she kept it for like another four years and it, it was a decent vehicle, and they've made leaps and bounds even since then. So I know exactly where you're coming from. Uh, real quick on the tail of the dragon, then we'll move on to a, a different topic. Um, I know this thing gets seems to get more popular every year. Is is it ever to a point where it's just too damn crowded, where there's too many people, or do you, is it better to go on a certain day or a certain time or a certain time of the year? Uh, you know, what are your experiences with that? Well. I haven't gone out there on a Saturday or Sunday in forever. I yeah. usually leave on a Sunday anyway. Yeah. I I would never even think about going out there on a Saturday. Yeah. And you're you're gonna have your trikes, you're gonna have people with SUVs, minivans and then, you know but people who don't know this, they go out there and they and they have a bad experience. So my advice is is to maybe use Saturday or Sunday as a travel day and go out there on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon. But somebody that went with us in the past, like three years ago, we were out there on a, a Thursday and he got a ticket going 63 and a 30. Uh, wow. And it was only $256. And I say <laughs> only because you're doubling the speed limit. It's only $256. So, um, and he didn't have to get extradited back to uh, North Carolina. From... <laughs> he thought he, yeah, he thought he was going to have to go back down there, but apparently he was able to pay the pay the uh, the fine over the phone or yeah. whatever. But um, and it, I will say, if you really want to have, if you think you're a pretty good driver and you know and you know who you are out there, drive it at nighttime because wow. there is. There's like less people. There's no I'd be light. scared though. Wouldn't there be like wild animals and stuff? I have. There, you would think you are in the you are in the woods. I have never seen um, anything like a wild animal on the on the dragon today. Yeah. But we but we've seen uh, we've seen like uh, my buddy saw a wild turkey out there, and <laughs> you know. But but it, but nighttime is great because you can see a car coming down the mountain the other sure. way. So if you want to hug that double yellow, that's the time to do it because at nighttime there's significantly less traffic. And then the time of the year that I go, the leaves are kind of starting to fall yeah. for the motorcycles. Yeah. Motorcycles kind of stay away. And the motorcycle guys do not like to go out there at nighttime, but there are a few really good riders that will drive it at nighttime. Wow. Wow. Well, that's cool. I'm glad that you were uh, able to uh, share your uh, experiences once again with uh, the tale of the dragon here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. We're talking with Roger Rexroad, our man in the field today. Uh, we have sanitized all our OPI shows for your protection before we uh, called Roger up on the phone. We made sure that he was wearing a mask and helped prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world and also 
be sure to wash your hands. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to go wash my hands, and Roger's going to do the same, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, we're going to play a little game called What Show Is It? And you only get three words to describe the show, and one of the three words ain't the title of the show. And our motto for the next year is Why Should You Be Happy? A lot of entertainment <laughs> if you listen to the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. Longest promo ever. Is it over? It is now. That's nice. (laughs) On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about the great run for the top of the Premier League table. How many teams can go, Adam? How many teams are looking like they could win this league? We've got 10 teams fighting for first place. It's going to be a great run in. We've got more games this weekend. Look forward to watching the New Year's fixtures. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. Uh, Lou Cossible off on a drive today, so we're letting him uh, take the back roads to his heart's content. And Roger has joined us on the program today. We're doing just kind of an open-ended uh, BS session. And, Roger, we're in the open part of the BS session, so I didn't want to get uh, bogged down on any one topic to a great extent. But you said that you had some things you wanted to talk about, and I said, well, don't tell me. Let's just wing it. So <laughs> go ahead and and uh, see what uh, you've got on your mind. Okay. Well, the first topic I have is, you know, obviously you re- uh, recently bought your, your Challenger Scat Pack. Correct. I got I got to ask, you know, obviously you, you've looked at this vehicle from a, from a distance in the past. Mm-hmm. And now you've and you pulled the trigger. When, I mean, what do you think about all of these damn variations of the car, uh, you know, like, you know, you, you, you get the people that they heard the hype machine on the demon. Remember all the little commercials and on the internet. And then they had, you know, 840 on the license plate and people were speculating what that meant or yeah. the odometer. And it, it was, it was the biggest hype machine. I cannot stand hype. Well, I don't now, think it's, I don't necessarily think it's hype. I think it's, I actually think it's smart marketing because you're you're giving the car buying public the people that want to get something along the lines of a Dodge Challenger you can go anywhere from a you know a 250 or 280 I don't know what the actual horsepower rating is on the V6 then you can get over a, 300 yeah then you can get a 5.7 liter Hemi you can get the 6.4 liter 392 which is what I have you can get the Hellcat you can get a 1320 edition which is like a factory drag car but it's got the 392 in it and then there's you know there's the 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 new super sport or whatever the 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 top end super stock. super stock that's it yeah i mean i think it's good because they're they're giving people the opportunity to buy a car that they want without having to go and make it into a car that they want and there's still people that are going to buy like a super stock and tweak it up a little bit more but i don't think it's hype i think i think they're just maximizing their potential there. Uh, obviously, the car is getting a little long in the tooth because it hasn't been redesigned. Yeah, I know. Well, but I don't mind that. I don't mind. I've always been one that likes a car that 
stands the test of time and has incremental improvements made during its production run without changing dramatically or radically. And granted, I don't know what they're going to do in the next couple of years. I haven't heard or seen any any design uh, information on what they may be doing with a, a new design or, or whatever. But I don't mind the I don't mind the variations on the cars. I really don't. Well, here's the thing. The Demon, you know, 965 in perfect uh, conditions, all the planets lined up and the asphalt a certain temperature, <laughs> air pressure. You know, I mean, seriously, I don't know if anybody's even hit 965 with the car. But here's my thing. How would you like to be one of these people that, that spent the money on the Demon and, he, and then they, they mothballed it, and now you've got this super stock, which is got a lot of the performance technology from the demon in it. Yeah. And then you're talking about this 1320. Listen, your car could be a 1320. You, you can take your car to the drag strip. I don't know what makes the 1320 such a drag strip car because this new super stock has smaller wheels. It doesn't, it doesn't have the bigger brakes because it's supposed to be just for drag racing. Yeah. Let's be on, let's be honest here. These people who buy these cars are not going to just do them specifically just for drag racing. Your, no. you, the, the, your car is all over the road. You see these cars all over the road. I see, I've seen Hellcats. And then the thing is with Hellcats, now you got Hel- Hellcat Red Eye. You got the wide body, which looks great, <laughs> but you have all these, you have all these different versions. And it's great that they have all the great colors. They got the shaker hoods. They got the black hoods. I mean, and you can, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about that, but enough is enough. I mean, w- like you alluded to a second ago, what's next? Because I'm going to tell you, when you say it, you know, I say it's long in the tooth, and, and we all know most of our listeners are car people, because that's why they're listening to it. The platform of the car is a Mercedes E-Class from the 1990s. They have squeezed every, I mean, yeah, they have. They've, they've brought it, every drop out of it. Yeah, they've brought it to the, to the, the pinnacle or the actual absolute end of, of development capability, I think. But... Again, that shows, A, that the fundamental design of the car was that good to start with, that they can continue to keep it in production without making huge changes to it. And I just think it's – it. I still don't think it's that bad divvying it up like they do. I don't know all the things that the 1320 has. I know that it's like that. there's no rear seat. Uh, that was an option, though, too. It's like it was like I think you could get – I think you can order that if you even don't even get a 1320. You can still get, on some models, you can delete the rear seat. And then it had skinnier tires, I think, in the front and uh, some other things, too. But there's hardcore people out there that want that certain thing. And I just think it's it's FCA, Fiat Chrysler, you know, catering to these people. I mean, there's not that many car companies that listen, I think, and, and try to deliver what its audience wants unless you're willing to really pay for it. I mean, sure, you can buy a Bentley, you get it painted any color, but you're spending three or $400,000 to do that. You know, my, my, my challenger was, was the mid-40s, you know, for, for a car. I mean, that's, that's slightly above the average cost of a car these days. So I just think it's nice that they're doing that. I really, I really have no problems with that. And you said like, well, how would you feel if you bought a demon and then it's discontinued or whatever? And the super stocks very similar. That's just the name of the game. I mean, when I pulled the trigger on my Mercedes, um, 
ordered it from the factory, I kind of knew that they were going to be redesigning just to a, a mild, like, freshening of the fascias and stuff the next year. And I actually didn't want that. I wanted the older style. And some of the changes they've made since then, I don't like. And I'm glad I pulled the trigger when I did. That's just kind of the risk you take. You have to do your homework. You have to do your due, due diligence. And maybe you might be disappointed at some point if you're like, damn it, if I only waited another year, I could have gotten this. So then do you decide to just bite the bullet and trade in your car and get the newer one or do you keep the the older car whatever that's just the way things are with anything that you buy i mean it could be a house it could be a you know a boat it could be anything that you just have to kind of make the decision at that certain point and just decide hopefully to live with it no matter what they (laughs) they do afterwards i guess but i guess i don't have a i guess i don't have the vitriol that you do roger with with all the different variations of the challenger but it's kind of it's a little amusing actually hearing you get all worked up about it well here's the thing they we were told as a i'm not obviously a buyer of the car but as a as a enthusiast this was the demon to end all demons and we're going to make it one year and that's it and then come to find out you can get the after cooler and, and the uh, the super stock has like 804 horsepower. So, I mean, you're not so special anymore, Mr. Demon owner, whoever you guys are out there. But if That's you, my whole thing is, it's, 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 I don't want to use the term one trick pony, but enough with the variations. It's, it's, when are you guys going to come out with something new? Well, hopefully pretty soon. Like I said, you know, I think, uh, for 2021, I, I know that they, they, they've introduced the, the new Charger, which doesn't have any real major changes. But I would think it's got to happen in the next couple of years. Cause I think everyone's saying that, you know, the, the thing's pretty long in the tooth. But yeah, they got a wide body charger. They have the they have the red eye charger. And this is a great uh, this is going to curtail into my next thing. Are you familiar with the new TRX truck? Yeah. Yeah. The T-Rex. Mm hmm. Yeah! And, wow! What a, what well, a surprise they put a what a surprise they put a Hellcat motor in it. Yeah. You know, it, again, you know, it's like you know, here, here's but here's the thing about this: what took them so damn long to do it? The Raptor has been out for seven years, and you're just now putting. I mean, you put a Hellcat engine in all these other cars. What took you so long to do the truck? I think did they. You, did you, there was no did real. You see in- the release. No, I, I've, I've seen the pictures. I haven't watched any videos. I've read, I've read one oh, or two boy. reviews on it. But um, the thing is, I don't think they had to because Ram trucks, Ram pickup trucks have been selling very well. Um, I think they've actually moved into the number two it position passed, ahead, passed, ahead of Chevy. Chevy. Yeah. And yeah. their quality, they, people rave about the, the quality of the interiors, you know, the, the, the equipment and everything. And they're doing a really good job. So I don't think there was just really much of a... Uh, a reason for them to do that and then they just kind of decided well why not i mean because they're going to put the 392 v8 in the jeep wrangler now to compete with the uh to the bronco and i think that's a great idea too if you've got a good power plant whether it's the supercharged hellcat engine or the 392 and you've got product that you can fit it into i don't think it dilutes it i think it helps the brand because you're showing that we're serious about performance. We have these great engines, and we're putting them in more things. So you've got a Durango SR392 uh, now, or a Durango oh, Hellcat. With a, with a, with a Hellcat yeah. engine in it. Wow. I mean, that's, I what I'm saying. It's, that's awesome. It's like, if they had a rear-wheel drive minivan, they would figure out a way to put a Hellcat <laughs> engine in a minivan. Come I on. just think it's you cool. I, I love that. I really do. And, you know. They are a one-trick pony. They have nothing 
else but that. And that is it. That's all they have is that. And it's just like, it's been, I, I, listen, I'm a gearhead and I'm sure your car is a, if I got in your car, it would be a, it would be a blast to drive something like that or a Hellcat with a, with a, cause you can get a Hellcat with a manual still, thank God. But it's just that this TRX truck, you've got a, our listeners watch the debut of this truck and this guy that does the that that's the spokesman for the truck is using the buzzwords and and he was yelling into the microphone <laughs> and it was just it was it, it was so over the top yeah I, my buddy and i we were we talk every day about cars we have our own little podcast between the two of us i guess you could say and and everybody who watched it they were like oh my god you were not overdoing it when you said that this guy was a hype machine it's just I want to see what I want to see what's next because this company they have no they have, and I know small cars are they don't make any money on them they have no mid-sized cars they they have they're known for this and that's it and it's like at some point you you've got to go forward they're going to go forward there's nothing wrong with with uh you know uh, moving, moving forward, and 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 being successful with what you've got, if it's a solid product, and you know, look at Ford; they don't sell any sedans anymore. The only car they sell is the Mustang. So, I mean, it's kind of the way things are moving industry wide. And you know, and Fiat Chrysler has has problems and has issues as a company, and as a lot of car companies do. I mean, right now because uh, they're facing, you know, especially with the worldwide pandemic and things like that, they're they're doing everything they can so to to try to make money. And if this helps FCA stay afloat and and be profitable, all the power to them. As far as I'm concerned, so I think we've well, we've, they should be profitable. They should be profitable because. There, there's no R&D in the platform. The well, that's another thing. Old. If it saves them, if it, <laughs> yeah, if it saves them money that way, then great. I mean, but look at Chevy. They've been building the damn Suburban for 80 years. That's a cash cow. The F-150, you're telling me that Ford doesn't make boatloads of money on every F-150 they sell? I mean, it, it's an old formula with a lot of the different places. So well, th- Ford, Ford's answer to this TRX truck is going to be interesting because I, I just watched another video, and there's just no denying it. You hear the 3.5-liter EcoBoost yeah. twin-turbo V6 exhaust note, and then you hear this uh, TRX. It, 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 it's Ford has to have an answer. Yes. So Ford, so Ford, they had the V8. The very first year, it had a 5.4, and then it went to the 6.2, and then there, and then they, they, they thought they were going to Jedi mind trick these people with the 3.5 EcoBoost. Yes, it makes 450 horsepower and 500 foot pounds of torque. But uh, I hate to sound like one of these knuckle draggers from back home, but the V8 is where it's at. Of course, that it is. Truck, and that. And, and so Ford is supposedly working on a crate engine. It's like a 7.3 or a 7.2 crate engine. Now, the rumor is they're going to put the GT500 engine in the uh, the Raptor. Okay. That, and isn't there another – don't we have another domestic manufacturer that makes trucks? Where are they at? Another domestic – what do you mean, Chevy? Uh, yeah, I'm being I'm being totally oh. sarcastic with the tongue in cheek. Yeah. Where in the hell is Chevrolet? First thing is they've got to get a truck that is not that fugly. And well, I know. Yeah, yeah. I think end. you were telling me that you oh don't like the, the way the God, front end looks. They have the Z71, I think, is their is their off road off road one. That doesn't count. They have but like yeah. R, they have 
They have some RST. Where is Chevy at? How are they? Uh, and everybody's cash cow are the pickup trucks. And not only have has Ram just passed you, but you do not have an exciting truck to compete with these these other two. But back to the TRX. Think about this, Mark. The base price on this TRX is seventy grand. Yeah. In in theory, you can put you can get this truck up to a hundred thousand dollars. Sure, you can. What kind of what kind of world are we living in that you can spend thirty thousand dollars worth of options on a Dodge Ram pickup truck? I think. That is absolutely absurd. Well, the same thing is the new uh, Cadillac Escalade. The 2021 Escalade is out, and I think it has a base price of eighty thousand. And I just saw a review that said, as tested, price one hundred and ten grand. And that's basically it's still a suburban. Basically, you got to remember that. Yeah. And absolutely. there you go. I mean, that's another thirty grand right there. One hundred and ten grand for an Escalade. That's that's. You know, eighty five, ninety grand. Yeah, eighty five, ninety grand for the Lincoln uh, Navigator. I can't really. The Navigator is basically pretty well optioned. I think they start at like ninety two, and you can get the Navigator up to like a hundred and one. So if you think about it, the 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 Navigator is a lot. I I used to always be about because I my late dad worked at GM, so I lived in a GM household. But I got to tell you that Navigator. Uh, this new Escalade is, is looks pretty cool, but I, I'm still going with this, navi- this Navigator. See, the thing is, again, though, the Navigator has that 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 V6 EcoBoost thing in it. When I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of V6s, and yeah, the Escalade, you get that, that awesome that Escalade, you get the awesome 6.2 liter, 460 horsepower, 420 pound feet of torque V8, which is a great engine. I've got a friend who's got a, a Yukon. Uh, with that engine in it, and he says it's phenomenal. He said that you know the thing just has bottomless power, even in the mountains. But your navigator, your navigator, and Escalade customer are not in theory gearheads, so it, it, they no. don't care about and they don't care about the exhaust. No, so I do not have a, I have no problem with the uh, Eco Boost in a navigator because it's usually a, a, a titan of industry. Uh, the, the owner of the company that I work for, he has a navigator, and he he just he comes into work and leaves. It's perfect for that. No harm, no foul. But and there's a place for there's a place for everything. There's nothing wrong with the the the, the V6 Eco Boost. There, everything has its place, but. The, the, the only disadvantage Ford has with the Raptor is because it's been around for so long, it was easy for Ram to say, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, the, the bar has already been up there by uh, Ford with the, uh, with the Raptor, so it was easy for them to come in and, and, and come in with a Hellcat engine that trounces yeah. the performance of it. So now, it's now Ford has to counterpunch because they haven't had anybody bothering them. They've been at the top of the heap for so long. It's going to be interesting to see what is Ford's response. Sure. And then also, too, we talked briefly on, on Chevy, and then we should move on to another topic. Um, why doesn't Chevy bring out a, a Silverado with that 6.2-liter uh, V8 in it, the 460? Because I don't think they offer that in, in they have, they have, they have, they have the big engines and the trucks, but they're just, it's not a package. It's not a, a turnkey. Okay. Package. Yeah. So you just have to order, order, cherry yeah. pick it off the list. Yeah. 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 You can get, you can get the, I mean, you can get all the configurations and all of that. And of course they have awesome diesel. I mean, some of these diesel trucks now, they have a thousand foot pounds of torque. Oh, I know. Capacity. I know. So, but, but that's, that's a whole different thing. That's a, that's commercial. Uh, Chevy, they've listened. 
when it comes to putting perfume on a pig, I don't care what, I don't care if it, I don't, I don't care if it had a thousand horsepower drivetrain. That front end on that Silverado is absolutely ghastly. Roger, why don't you really tell us how you feel? Oh man, um, but it, it, you know, in this company, this is. If you look at the the late '60s, early '70s Chevy pickup trucks, they're awesome. Even the the 454 SS truck from uh-huh. from 1990, those you know the, with the Bob Seger like a rock commercial, yeah. that was very it was a very popular. Those trucks look great. What the hell happened to Chevy's trucks with how they look? Well, you can kind of blame Ram because they're the ones that started the big rig look up front in the '90s, and when they started it, you know they kind of started the ball rolling, and it took. The other companies a while to catch on. The Rams, yeah, the Rams are the best looking trucks on the market, in my opinion. Just how they look. Now they're probably going to be the first to rust because they always are, but (laughs) they look great. (laughs) But cars don't rust anymore, Roger. They really don't. Oh, you. They, I, I, well, I see a lot of Dodge Ram trucks. I don't know how old they are. Maybe they're like 10 to 12 years old. And I mean the quarter panels. I can see into the bed on some. Remember, yeah. I, I drive around and I see everything. Yeah, you I'm do. Not pick, I'm, not, I'm not picking on one brand. And I, and I, and I am acknowledging the, at, when I go to the auto shows, well, when we used to go to the auto shows, when you sit in that Dodge Ram truck, you're like, oh, my God, this is a pickup truck. I know. Look at this interior. I know. It's it, it, Anybody who's never been in a new Dodge Ram pickup truck out there in our listening audience, go sit in a new Dodge Ram. You will be blown away with the interior. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You know, I, the only thing I have, have to compare it to is the interior on my Challenger, which is interesting because I've read comments before where it seems like a lot of the um, automotive journalists tend to at least in the past few years would kind of cut down the quality of Dodge interiors. And I'm like, I think I got a pretty nice interior in the, in the challenger for its price point. And I have the upgraded seats. So I have the leather and Al- 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 Alcantara seats, but um, I just think it's pretty decent uh, compared to, you know, some of the other stuff out there and I don't have an issue with it. So I think that's one thing where automakers across the board have really stepped up in the last five to ten years is the quality of their interiors and not just the seats but just the door panels the dashboards adding stitching here and there adding you know just the little touches that really boost the 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 look and the feel of the interior and um i think that's the point where dodge has really made strides with the pickup trucks because they are consistently ranked as you know having the best interior for any um domestic or even uh imported pickup truck as well so i think we've beat that horse to death there roger uh <laughs> how about another uh open-ended uh topic here before we uh well, close the session I, I out have, yeah i do have one last one it's um it's it's, it's it's not it's more for you okay uh, you, you talk well no it's it, well you have you have a you have a, a, a quite a variety of cars in your in your collection yes and you and you have spoken in the past on because i of course i'm a regular listener of the show as well as contributor and you talked about your aston martin might be the next one to move out and you've mentioned the Maserati gt let me ask you this as you know buddy to buddy car guys were in our uh like an imaginary parking lot yeah. at Supercar Saturday. What do you think about downsizing your fleet and going with like 
less cars, but maybe something you really, yeah, really want. Yeah, I've, uh, that's in- interesting that you bring it up, because I have thought about that, you know, as as I get older, you know, I keep saying, you know, in 20 years, you know, when I'm in my 70s, do I want to have nine cars and, and the maintenance and the insurance and just the fact that, you know, if I'm in my mid seventies, I don't know if I'd have the, the time or the strength or whatever to drive nine cars. Um, I've thought about that. And every time I, I even drop off like one car, I always go back up to, you know, where I was before. Um, but I have thought about that. And the thing is, Hey, I'm not exactly sure what that like. Let's say I got rid of five of my six collector special interest cars and took that mm-hmm. money and parlayed it into like a, just one car. What? And I have a, a problem thinking exactly what that car could be. And then would I really get that much enjoyment out of it? Because anything that I'm looking at or even have considered along those lines is something that's that's older like i for some reason i like a lot of the late 60s maseratis early 70s maserati the maserati indy i think is a neat car the mistral or mistral from the late 60s is a very cool car but and and i'm sure they're 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 very they're beautiful cars they're well engineered but you look at them they still have you know leaf springs in the rear and they have you know the brakes aren't probably that great even though they're, they're four wheel discs, is. I know, but I'm just saying, would I really have that much enjoyment with something like that? Um, if I decided to go down that route, I don't know if I would, because you know, my girlfriend has made the observation that she said that you seem to kind of gravitate towards the cars that are still performance oriented, but they have at least you know a modicum of of niceties, things like you know a cup holder, or at least has air conditioning, or cruise control or something like that i'm you're not saying GT, i need you're a gt car i am guy. a gt yes, car guy are. i am exactly absolutely and oh, i think here's, here's the thing what, hold on whoa, whoa, whoa. how about the Aston and the uh um the mercedes and um the porsche going away for a maserati gt a nice one one that you absolutely has the color the wheels are you talking about the, the, the gran the turismo because yeah. I wouldn't have to get rid of any of those cars to get that. I mean, oh. just one. Not I wouldn't have to get rid of all three. I mean, because you can get a decent GT for thirty, thirty-five grand tops. All right. So let me. Well, and this is not. This is just an observation. This is definitely not. Uh, I'm not nitpicking because I'm somebody who doesn't even have a toy car anymore. <laughs> but what what do you even do with the Mercedes anymore? It's still I, that's still considered one of my daily drivers. Um, my three, what I consider to be my three daily drivers, are my Porsche Cayenne, my Fiat Five Hundred, uh-huh. and then my Mercedes E Class Coupe. Um, and, and yeah, the Challenger. Well, the Challenger to a point, yeah. Um, but you see where I'm going here. Well, the thing is, though, I can't, in good conscience, get rid of the Mercedes because a I ordered that car from the factory to my specifications, and B, Mercedes is dropping the coupes, at least in the U.S., in the next year or two. So they're not even going to sell coupes anymore. And you can't even get a V8 uh, E-Class coupe anymore for like the last two or three years here. So that car as it sits, and I'm not saying it's going to be worth a ton of money down the line because it probably won't be, but it's just something that you can't get anymore. And it's 
I ordered it. It's the color I want, the interior I want, the, sp- the, the equipment I want. I just have to kind of feel like I have to hang on to that car. The Porsche okay. I could probably get rid of because I could always get another one. I mean, that's no big deal. You never talk about the Porsche. I like it, though. I love it. it. No, because it's just there. It, it, it does everything well. It's a great car. I've, I love it. And, you know, it's just that to me, the, the Mercedes is just a little bit more special than the Porsche. And obviously, the, 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 I love the Challenger, but like you were saying, you see Challengers everywhere. I mean, they sell like 60,000 of them a year, and they've been doing that for right, like I, I, 12 years. I like, to see you take, I like to see you take something out of your collection and go down to the tail of the dragon with it. <laughs> That's what you always say. I think the Porsche would probably be the best, the 911. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that would probably be the best car for that. Uh, the, the Aston could be fun, too, although that car's got so much power, that, um, and it's just rear-wheel drive, so I would... Uh, you know, I would be a little, I, I've never had that car on a track or anything. I've never done any, I've done, you know, I'll bomb along at 80, 85 miles an hour in that car, Perfect. but I've never thrown it through a lot of like curves and stuff. So I don't really know what the handling limits are on something like that. But I have thought about doing what you said, you know, radically trimming the collection at some point, whether it's in five years, 10 years, 15 years, and getting something that would be a higher end, higher dollar car and would I really enjoy that? And I don't know. I really don't know at this point. I mean, I'm I'm fairly content with what I've got right now, and uh, I just kind of take it as it comes and see what see how I feel. You know, let me let me. In, in previous episodes, you spoke very highly about the uh, mid to late. Uh, 60s Cadillac convertible. Yeah, you I know, I you, I can see you trading, uh, getting out of the 58 and and getting. No, like no, that. that would never happen. I, I, it was funny. Oh, that I was really? just, okay. yeah, I was just, okay. I was just recently thinking that I still like the big late 60s, early 70s American, you know, land yachts. You know, the Coupe de Vils, the uh, Lincolns. The, they're they're great cars. They have huge engines. They're terribly fuel inefficient. Uh, big floaty <laughs> rides, but they're cool. You know, but. Right. And I came very close to buying something like that before I got my Firebird four years ago. I almost pulled the trigger on a 75 uh, Mercury Marquis Coupe. And that had a 460 in it, and it was white with a brown. And it was a cool car. But I'm glad I didn't do it because I really don't think that I would enjoy that car that much. Um, just because... You know, I like what it represents, and I like the look, but I just don't know if I'd like the driving experience that much. I really, I really. A, that is a that car. That car has got to have the longest quarter panel in the history of America. Which one? The the, the that Coupe Grand Marquis. Oh, the Grand Marquis. Yeah, I don't know if it does or not. I know that I know that the uh, a Lincoln Mark IV hood, the one that uh, Cannon drove in the series. He had a Mark III for the first year. Then he then he drove Mark IVs for the for the remainder of the series. I know the hood on those cars. The hood is like six feet long. <laughs> it's just just which is an, is unbelievable. Sounds that's like you're a, taking your hood a, off there, there, Roger. Yeah, the first yeah the first generation Monte Carlo has had a six foot long yeah, hood. Also, that's that's insane. It really is. But um, I'll keep you posted. You know, I still I'm not as hot on a Maserati Gran Turismo as I was. Um, but I, sound? Oh, the sound is incredible. I mean, that's one of the things that draws me to that car. It's got a Ferrari V8 yeah. in it. And a, if a for our listeners that have... For our, for our listeners that have never heard that car in real life, you've got to listen. Cool. It's got one of the best factory production 
V8 sounds you'll ever hear. It's just, it's, it's stunning. It really is. Um, and that is one of the things that, that, you know, attracted me to that car. I do think they're tremendous values these days though, too. Like I said, you can Absolutely. get a decent one as low as 30 grand. Um, and I could never find anything real bad as far as, you know, maintenance or, or upkeep or issues with that vehicle. So I still think it's, it's something that could be on my list at some point, but, uh, for now, I just want to try to really, I know famous last words, kind of enjoy what I've got <laughs> and, and leave it at that and, and see where we are but in are a few able, years. But are you able to do that with how many cars you have? I'm pretty much That's at my limit now. I, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I try to work through everything. You know, I, I keep a log of what I drive, when, how far I drive it, the dates I drive it. So I'm, I'm making sure I'm getting... I'm not neglecting anything, so to speak. And I think I'm I'm reasonably enjoying everything that I've got. The only reason I thought about getting rid of the Aston at some point is um, I'm, I'm kind of over it in a way. I mean, I still think the car is just sex on wheels. I mean, it just looks so gorgeous. Absolutely. Uh, and it's the six-speed, which makes it, you know, rare and desirable with a V. You know, you can't beat a V12 with a six-speed manual. I mean, that's a great combination, and everyone keeps raving about that combination these days as manuals get rarer and rarer. But I don't see the values of of a V12 six-speed manual DB7 Aston Martin appreciating. They're still thirty-five thousand dollar cars every day of the year. So, uh, and again, I don't keep stuff to try to make money on it, but. It'd be nice if I could actually make a little bit of money on one of my cars if I decide to sell it. But um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just where I'm at. I'm happy. And, you know, that's that's the thing. Let me briefly turn it back to you and say you've got your Hyundai. You say you don't have any toys, so to speak. What do you have your eyes on or where do you see your car uh, buying going in the next couple of years if there is a, a change coming? Well, a change that would be coming for me would be. Um I, I could see myself getting uh, something like a Veloster N because as, as, it's always going to be a daily driver for me. I'm not in a financial position to have a toy. I don't have somewhere to really park a toy. Yeah. So, so my thing is the way that I use a car, I mean, my car, even though on paper and visually um, people would say, well, there's nothing special about your car. They're right. But it's my car. Sure. I'm, making the, I'm making the best of it, and it, it actually – if somebody got in the car and drove it and took it on some back roads, I think they'd be kind of surprised and they'd be surprised at the sound and the performance. That car actually does scoot. Yeah. Um, well, it's but, got a, it's but, got a dual clutch gearbox and plus you've personalized it a little bit. You've got different rims on it and, and yeah, you've done it's a got few a turbo. It, it yeah. makes about 215 horsepower yeah. and it weighs about 3000 pounds. Yeah. So it's not heavy, but for me, going forward, it's, it's going to always be a fun daily driver because once a week out of the year, I go to the Dragon, so I want something that's fun there. But then I need something to get me through the uh, the harsh winters, so it's yeah. got to be uh, front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive possibly down the road, and, it, and it's got to fit into my budget. So uh, there are, you know, the price of used cars is actually going up because yeah. the price of new cars is so high. But there's always uh, there's always something out there that uh, I'm always looking at the next pretty girl down the road. So a <laughs> lot. A Veloster N would be, uh, and, and it would be in that baby blue color that they have. Which is oh, like really? I'm not crazy about that color, but that well, it's kind of like become their brand now. color. Yeah, and that's kind of become it the is. color that's associated with that. So, 
Well, the seat belts are that color too, so that kind of you know matches up. But my my buddy's car is red, and I I don't want anything to do with a red car. They do have like an eggshell white, which is mm. okay, and they and they have black, which I'm um, if, if if it's not metallic black, I'll run as far as I can in the opposite direction from it. Oh, so that's why you were running away from my nine eleven the other day then. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that you you didn't like regular black cars, but metallic black is okay. I'm looking at it from a detail. Oh, standpoint. I know. I, I I totally know where you're coming from on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a Grand National for five years from from 1995 to 2000, and I didn't know anything about detailing back then, or, or at least I'm not as proficient then as I am now. And I I probably lost six months of my life dealing with with a non-metallic black car, and it <laughs> and it's. I had that. I had a 93 Buick Park Avenue Ultra. That was also straight black. I had an 89 Buick LeSabre T-Type, which is a cool Wow, car. yeah. You know, Rare well, car, I mean, too. Had, yeah, yeah. I had my share of straight black cars. That's why I know what I'm talking about when I when I say I am. It's now, for you, if I detail your Porsche, I say, here you go, Mark. Here's your key, and I'm running away. So guess what? <laughs> yeah. In a half an hour, your car is going to look all dusty. Yeah. Oh no, I I hear you. I've 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 been there. I, I live it every day, so I know what you're talking <laughs> about for sure. Well, Roger, uh, that's been a good BS session. We've got a couple more promos to get out of the way here, but of course, uh, we're not done completely talking with you yet. So just hang on. But okay. be sure to tell a friend to listen to the Car Guys Report. We're available on Spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We are just everywhere. You can search a couple of different ways. You can search for Radio Misfits on Google. You can also go to opishows.com. And when you do, uh, you'll find us, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And when you listen to our podcast, be sure to subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification every Tuesday when there's new, um, excuse me, when there's new, (laughs) excuse me, I'm, I'm getting all choked up here. When there's new content, which is every Tuesday. And when you're listening, too, please uh, leave us a couple of uh, great reviews. We've got some nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. Certainly would uh, like to hear your comments and your uh, congratulations in a review. And the best thing about podcasting with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is it's listening on your own terms. Wherever you are, whatever device you have, whether in your car, your home office, your uh, walk in the park with your dog, your uh, on the beach, wherever you are, whatever you're listening on, whether it's a cell phone, a a laptop, a tablet, a desktop, you're in your car with the Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can listen to our podcast. Everyone is totally free and it's listening on your own terms. Fast forward, rewind, replay, delete, whatever you want, you can do it with podcasting on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride today. Roger Rexrode in for... uh, Lou Costable. Roger's our man in the field, and we've been talking about all kinds of stuff, and we're not playing the Car Guys Report guessing game this episode, Roger, because Lou isn't here, but we do uh, always like to talk a little bit about Lou's popular YouTube channel. It's called My Car Story with Lou. He's got over 1,500 car videos and about 85,000 subscribers. Uh, if you've never checked it out, be sure to uh, definitely check it out. Some of the coolest cars you'll ever see is on that uh, YouTube channel from Lou. And when Lou is here, we play the Car Guys Report guessing game when he gives me three of his uh, car videos 
videos that have aired, and I have to try to guess which ones were the uh, most uh, popular. So it's always something that's uh, fun and exciting. We like to do when Lou is on the program, which is about 99% of the time. So I don't know what Roger's doing in the background there. Are you uh, starting to detail your uh, your car as you're wrapping up here or what? I'm, I'm not sure. No, I'm just moving, just moving around. <laughs> moving around, stretching your legs. That's the way it is. Yes, but, I am. Uh, Roger, I just wanted to say uh, thanks so much for uh, being a guest on the program, as you have in the past. I'm sure we'll, of course, be doing it again. You are a man in the field. Always enjoy getting your texts and your comments um, that uh, you make on a weekly basis, usually with me, and that always uh, is entertaining. And of course, too, with our listeners, if you have anything to say to us, please email us at carguysreport at hotmail.com. Roger, thanks again. We will be talking to you again soon. And thanks so much for being a guest once again on the Car Guys Report. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for our listeners worldwide. Thank you. Yeah, definitely wanted to, to definitely appreciate and thank all our listeners uh, worldwide here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, it'll be more great automotive info as usual, including more of our famous Car Guys Reports list. So uh, you'll definitely be enjoying that. A special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo spelled backwards. P-P-I-H-shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. And on this week's episode of And Friends... We are exploring all the different places you can put a toothbrush. Like in your mouth. Or your butt. Or anywhere else under the sun or where the sun don't shine. Listen to And Friends on Spotify. OldPieShows.com. Or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about the great run for the top of the Premier League table. How many teams can go, Adam? How many teams are looking like they could win this league? We've got 10 teams fighting for first place. It's going to be a great run in. We've got more games this weekend. Look forward to watching the New Year's fixtures. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk about the best modern GT cars, plus some really cool Hoyer Rally Dash Timers hit the block. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.